I think right now is the best thing that could happen for cryptocurrencies because we are basically eliminating all of those dumb coins that aren't real. We're eliminating kind of like you know NFTs. The strong will survive, just like uh, out of these internet companies, these internet companies in the dot-com bubble. So many of them went out of business because they weren't even good companies. It is impossible to anticipate where the two monsters which suddenly appeared in the atomic area will attack next. If your power goes out, remain calm. We gone. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 69 of the First Sip Podcast. Today, we have with us Sean Deckmar, the founder of Tradecaster.com. Deck has been on our podcast two times before. We figured now is the prime time to bring him back. If you haven't seen, the market is just free falling. So numbers are down. So we needed to get Deck on to explain why this is happening, what you can do to strategize to make money right now, and what the future looks like. So Deck, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Welcome on. We love having you on, bro. You're good. For <laughs> I know. The what is it? It's number three now. Number three. I remember. What, yeah. what episode are you guys on now? 69. 69. Regular contributor. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Well, you're a namestay. You're a staple. <laughs> Quarterly guest. Um, so first things first, obviously, what are you sipping on for today, Deck? I know we're streaming with you on Tradecaster, but uh, you drinking anything during your live trading today? I, I'm strictly, there's three things I drink when, uh, whenever I'm trading live, I go with water, just some straight Fiji, some okay. Gatorade, or we are going straight pre-workout. Depends on what day it is. Mm. You know, I knew he was going to go back to that pre-workout again. What pre do you use? You still going with straight C4? Uh, yeah, a little bit of C4, <laughs> but I go with like extra strength street fo- uh, C4 gets a little intense. Nice. Bro, you know, really quick. Because <clears throat> we talked last week about me going back to the gym, getting back in my routine. Mm. I realized last week I'm never doing pre workout again. Oh, did you take pre workout, bro? Me, I like a half a scoop. No and way. I felt crazy. Why did you, bro? You're down to like know. a cup of coffee like, a day. Why would like, you take pre workout? It was like 9 p.m. And I'm like, you know what? I just need a little. Oh, you didn't go to bed a that little night. Pic- I did. What time? I crashed at like 11:30. No way. That's why I realized I, it was a quick high, and then I was right back down. So mm. pre workout's out of the game for me, deck. I, I've been saying to Alex that like I've stopped taking pre-workout, but mm-hmm. I buy cans of like 3D or C4 or Monster before every lift. So you've been lying to her. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, Alex, uh, I'll chop this up and I'll send uh, it. You, get, you guys are like a year into your marriage now. You're, you're, you're allowed to start stretching the truth a little three, bit. Three-year mark this year. Oh, wow. Pandemic. Oh, yeah, she's leaving me soon, bro. Yeah. Statistically speaking, you know, based on history and and no, statistics. we're not going to get into that now. We'll let Deck uh, you know, we'll go a, over some stats. Speaking and about stats, that's just something funny that our, our viewers will appreciate that Deck always says when you golf with them is statistically one of us have to get a hole in one, which is the truth. Wow. Statistically speaking, if you have a foursome and we're on a par three, someone's going to make it. Yeah. Statistically, wow. based on common statistic. Uh-huh. I like that. What and being just- overdue, being overdue for the past 28 years, it's going to be coming. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you drink? It's today, only a matter of time. Uh, today, I got a nice black coffee. So like you were saying, we got that one coffee rule mm-hmm. and this is it. That's an espresso blend. This is nice. Chocolate fudge. This is nice. This is smooth. Mm-hmm. It's easy on the stomach, not too acidic, but I like this stuff. Do you want to know what I have today? What, what you got? I want there? you to chop this up. I think we could get a sponsorship with. I don't like called it. Amazing Grass. Okay. It's a greens blend. You drink greens, Deck? Uh, I, I looked into it, but I've never done it before, to be honest. Dude, this one. So this one is the best one that I've ever had. They taste terrible. Grass? 
they taste terrible. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to sponsor you at, at this point no, they, anymore. You no, might be they, losing they that sponsorship they, quickly. What was the, what was the name amazing of the grass. Okay. And it's just greens blend. There's no flavor to it. I'm going to tell you that. Yo, they're legit. It tastes like literal dirt. Like well, I go outside, bite the grass. Well, we have to think about this and, and then we'll get to but it. Bro, your skin and like your regular movements with this shit. Yeah. It, it, it's the. Well, that's, it's usually stuff that tastes the worst that works the best. That's true. Right, and this so, is terrible. So they're on to something. Yeah. So shout out to them. I kind of, it, it's so bad that I kind of like it now. That's, that's it. They're like, it's like a punishment. I used to that's have a, that's a tough slogan for a company. Yeah. So bad. You'll start to like it. <laughs> that's where I'm at. Like Ooh. I kind of, I kind of yearn for that. Like, um, it, that like gnarly hit you a little bit. Like it's like, it's literally like laying in your lawn and just starting to chew mm. like laying face down and just starting to bite. Okay. <laughs> really one with nature there amazing grass greens blend wow. highly recommended wow i do not Feel like good. that and I, do, I think i sold it pretty well there honestly definitely not definitely not all right so Work let's get it. into it deck what's going on with the market dude why is this happening i mean at this moment the stock market has been in a free fall for probably the past week this is probably one of the worst weeks that we have seen in the past two years since the pandemic eventually hit. Um, if we go all the way back to the start, it really all started with inflation when the pandemic first hit. We had the, the pandemic hit, the Federal Reserve was extremely nervous that we were going to drop into a deep recession two years ago. So how did we combat this? We basically put out stimulus checks. Stimulus checks were going to keep the economy stimulus or uh, stimulated, and everyone's going to go out and spend and spend and spend. With everyone spending, obviously the market wasn't going to drop. We were going to see things keep on pushing. And that's why back in 2020, 2021, we actually had one of the strongest years we had. I believe we had a 23 to 26% return, which is absolutely insane. But we basically created this monster that we couldn't slow down. When we give everyone money to go out and spend and we take interest rates all the way down to zero, people have money. They're being able to afford things that usually they weren't able to afford before. And inflation just started running rampant. Inflation at this point is the highest it's been in the last 45 years. And now we're trying to say to ourselves, how can we slow down inflation? And we just have to keep raising interest rates slowly. So the big problem is, or the big issue is Jerome Powell, who is the speaker for the Federal Reserve, he's trying to essentially slow down the economy without crashing the economy. And that's why we kind of do these little baby steps of let's put up interest rates 0.25%. And that didn't work. So then we put interest rates up 0.5%. And that didn't work. And we just got our in, uh, CPI report, which is basically just the inflation data last Friday. And they said, hey, we've done interest rates once, twice, raised them up to 0.5%. And now we're going to 0.75 because we are still at record highs. Essentially, at some point, we're going to have to really hit inflation hard, which is going to drop the market before we can move ourselves on up. Because at this time, all we're doing is putting on Band-Aids on a very bleed, a very tough bleeding cut right now. Imagine just having a slice in your arm and we just put Band-Aid and Band-Aid and Band-Aid and Band-Aid. At some point, we got to wrap this thing on up mm -hmm. and we are going to essentially have to get a big drop first. And that could be from today. 0.75 interest rates. We haven't had this since I believe 1994 was last time we had 0.75 interest rates. So we are going way back towards about you know 27 years, um, and we just haven't seen this ever. On top of that, with inflation being so high, we talk about having 0.5 interest rates. That was back in 2020. 
or excuse me, uh, 2000, 0.75 interest rates back in 1993, 1994. But we've never had them back to back like this. And now going into July, we also have another round of interest rates that are going to be coming. And who knows what's that going to be? If we get a CPI report in a month from now that's dealing with inflation, and they say that we still have inflation at record highs, we're only going to keep on dropping even more, even more, even more. At this moment, the S&P 500, which is the ETF, basically the fund, the top 500 companies in the United States is currently down 22%. That means we're in a bear market at this time. Mm -hmm. um, the NASDAQ, I believe, is just over 40%. When we think about the NASDAQ, we're thinking more of tech stocks. And that's why we're seeing some huge you know, tech companies been getting absolutely crushed. You know, NVDA, Tesla even. You know, these plays have been getting absolutely destroyed. Yeah. Um, and you know, at this moment, Coming on up in about an hour and a half today on the state, whenever you're listening to it, uh, it's June 15th, that we do have interest rates. And the, basically the way I'm trying to gauge, gauge interest rates is we were told that we were going to have 0.5 interest rates coming on up. Mm -hmm. After that CPI report of last Friday, now everyone's expecting 0.75 interest rates. And if we actually go back, let's say, to the beginning of January, in the beginning of January, when Jerome Powell first came out, he said well, we were going to probably have somewhere between three interest rate hikes of 0.25%. As a month went by, we said, hey, we're going to have probably about seven interest rates of 0.25%. Then another one, a month went by and said, hey, we're going to have seven interest rates, but now we're going to go up to 0.5. And now this week, after our last you know, CPI data, now we are currently at 0.75. And it just seems like we are just going higher and higher and higher and higher. And the whole point of this is just to try to stop spending, try to stop getting the Americans to take out these massive loans to buy houses or cars or whatever, and basically try to slow down. It's kind of odd when you think about it. It's they're raising interest rates and they're trying to make things more expensive to try to get people to stop spending. It's a little bit of a weird concept when I'm you actually you know break it down in that manner. I'm happy you brought that up there because that's actually one of the first points I wanted to go over was the Fed's response to everything we've been seeing over the past couple of years, right? Um, like you said, initially they dumped trillions and trillions of dollars into the market, right? We printed most of the money in circulation over the past two years just to keep us afloat. And now like you said, they're trying to kind of pump the brakes and slow it down before we hit an inevitable crash, right? Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing it and people are wondering, okay, is is it already too late? You know, is there really anything that they can do? Because like you said, we were expecting a 0.25%, you know, uh, 0.25 interest rate hike, like periodically throughout the year. But now he's like, okay, we're at 0 0.5, 0 0.75. But I kind of want to stay on that point also and just Break down because some people hear a lot of these things and they see it, you know, going on in the news, but a lot of people may not even understand what does that mean, right? Like, what does 0 0.25, 0 0.5, 0 0.75, like, is this directly affecting me? Like, is this going to hit my credit card? Like, what does, like, the, from your perspective, right? Like, how should the average person be concerned about, about these rate hikes? Yeah. The easiest way to kind of gauge it is I try to think about how is it going to slow down? you know, inflation. And the best way to really think about it, and, you know, you're in the housing game, I know, Dikembe. So the way I like to think about it is when we have interest rates extremely low, and I'm just going to make up numbers, these numbers are not going to be like two scale in any sort of way. But if someone says, hey, I want to go ahead and afford a house, I want to go buy an $800,000 home. Mm -hmm. When interest rates are extremely low, they're going to be able to afford that $800,000 home. And maybe their, their interest rate or maybe their loan, they're only going to be able to pay $150 a month. Again, just a made up number. Mm -hmm. Now, every single time we raise these interest rates, that monthly payment that you're going to have to pay 
increases slightly. And that's why, again, a year and a half ago, two years ago, people were spending and buying these homes that they probably can't even afford at this moment. Uh, they keep because they have their interest rates so low. Now, let's say right now, when we keep raising interest rates, keep raising interest rates, keep raising interest rates, it's going from someone who only had to pay $100 a month to now someone has to pay $500 a month. Now that's going to knock down some possible bidders because they're saying, I can't afford that. Now we keep raising interest rates again. Now, again, it's up towards $2,000 a month, $3,000, $4,000, whatever it may be. And now we have less buyers. And that's why we're starting to see that little shift in the housing market where at this time, we are starting to see interest rates rise, but a lot of sellers are still pretty stubborn on saying, I want last year's prices. I want to sell my home for where it was last year. And people are saying, well, I can't afford to pay $3,500 a month. Last year, I could have paid, I, I could have made, you know, uh, or paid off $500 a month. Now it's getting higher and more expensive. So we are starting to see things start shifting on down. So we're raising interest rates up to basically make things more unaffordable um, in, a, in a sense that you can, you can say to try to stop people from spending so much money. Because the more we spend, the more we spend, the more we spend, inflation keeps going higher and higher and higher, which makes everything more expensive. So would you say then it, it almost seems like in really simplistic ways that it's kind of working? Right. Because yep. like you said, the interest rates have been going up. Housing market is starting to cool down. Right. People aren't pricing their homes through the roof anymore. Buyers aren't saying, oh, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll buy it at whatever price because I can qualify for this mortgage at a really low rate. Mm -hmm. you know, so people, at least in this on this side of things, you know, in the housing world, people are starting to shift behavior. But do you think it's affecting those other industries like the Fed is hoping? Uh, I think that's going to it's, it's just going to always take time you know, before we actually see like any sort of dramatic change. Um, usually when something happens, I feel like the, the, the normal public doesn't really see any sort of change for like a few months down the, uh, down, the, uh, down the road. So, you know, even with, let's say, you know, gas prices and such, gas prices are still trying to run and peak on up. A lot of times the, the American public won't really see any sort of difference in their lives until probably two, three months after it starts like setting effect. And then after, you know, interest rates are finally in, then you'll actually start seeing some turns because if you ask, let's say a normal, you know, average American, they're going to say still, oh, the housing market is still up extremely high. Everything is still extremely high in prices. And then, but if you're watching it every single day, you can see that it starts cooling on off. So I really don't think, let's say the average person is going to notice too much of a difference until maybe like the fall or the winter with, you know, any of this, but obviously me who watches the stock market every single day and who has investments into it. I see the market turn. I see the market getting lower. And if you are watching the market, you know, every single day, we do know that we are inside one of the most amazing opportunities at this time. And that's why you should be studying the market. Right now, as we talked about, the S&P 500 is currently down 22%. We have been falling for about the past six months now, right when we moved into 2022. As the market falls down, the average bear market is 41% in the last 14 months. The average bull market comes out to about about, uh, 13 years and goes on over a 700% climb. So we are in at this time, a halfway through our average bear market, halfway through a drop of 22%. And if I see anything, if I see the S&P 500 down 30% or so, we are not going to see most likely this price when we do rebound for at least another 10 to maybe 12 years. So you want to be taking advantage of right now. And honestly, this has been a point of my trading career that I've been truly waiting for, for, for years on end. I've truly been waiting for this opportunity because yeah. when I first started getting involved in stock trading, 2016, 2017, you know, that, that area, I wasn't, I didn't have that much money. 
I was building up an account, building up an account, building up an account. Then, you know, once I started making a little bit of money, I did purchase a home. So kind of lost a little bit back there. Then everything started going sky high. The market was at all time highs. Everyone's, you know, buying, buying, buying. And now I'm looking and people who bought in back in 2018, 2019, it's the same prices right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, wow, what an opportunity. Same exact thing if you want to think about crypto. Crypto, I mean, Bitcoin is at 20,000. We haven't seen this since 2022. Um, so you have to take advantage of this. And even if this is only halfway on the S&P 500 and we are going to fall another 20% or another, let's say 15%, anywhere technically from now, even lower from 22% on, is going to be amazing dip buys. You know, you think about Apple, you think about Microsoft, you think about Google, Amazon. These are some of the biggest companies in the world. Mm-hmm. If you told me, you, Albert, Dikembe, whoever, and said, I'm going to buy right now at this moment and I'm just going to keep on holding, in time, you are going to win. Yeah. Yes, it may go lower. Yes, we could have interest rates that affect that this month and next month. But you have such an incredible entry that someone that, you know, there's someone out there guaranteed that wants to trade shoes with you. Someone who bought the stock market last year, or let's say at the beginning of this year, that just thought it was going to keep going up, 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 up. They are in a lot of trouble at this moment. And a lot of people are feeling that pain in the investment world. But going back to your you know, initial uh, question, I don't think a lot of just like the normal public would be feeling too much pain right now, unless you're involved in the stock market directly. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And um, you also brought up the the whole idea that these things are really discounted right now, right? So super discounted. people have brought up the, yeah, people have brought up the- Dude, um, Bitcoin, Bitcoin's down like 40% on the year. Crazy. 50% on the year, maybe more than no, that. No, it's right? actually, yeah, it's like 56%. Yeah, and, I think it hit like I a mean, high of like 56. People are saying like, listen, don't be surprised if you see a 75%, 85% drawback on that right before you see another like spike, which would be, it's almost, and I heard somebody make this analogy before, it's if, if you were to go to your favorite store, right? Like if you were to go to Apple store and you see that everything is 20, like discounted 25%, 30%, 50%, you know, like what would you do? Would you sit there and be like, ah, let me wait for it to drop a little bit more. Would you say like, yo, let me start getting some cash together and start buying this because you don't really know where the bottom is, but right now, you know, this is still a good enough of a sale for you to start getting in the game, you know, and start picking up some of these things that are like the low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. So is that something you've been advising to your people, you know, like who, who follow you on a trade cast or are you kind of telling them to wait for a further dip or uh, they don't? I, I say the same thing. You know, I just told you guys that if anyone's jumping in at this moment, it's not a bad entry. You know, no one can criticize you for getting in when the S&P 500 is down 22% and NASDAQ, which basically you can think about as just the tech stocks are currently down almost 40%. No one can be mad at you when you're seeing hundreds of dollars be shaved off, you know, these certain blue chip plays and you're buying them at, you know, certain lows. Um, especially if you're a person that, let's say, isn't involved in the stock market every day, but you just want to start building up some sort of retirement fund. So for me, who watches the market literally from seven in the morning till four o'clock in the afternoon every single day. I'm trying to nail the best absolute bottom I can. But if you are someone that has a nine to five job and really doesn't understand the market too much, and you're just saying, Hey, I just want to throw some money out there. Then yeah, you know, I I don't think you're getting any sort of bad entries in any sort of way, but um, there's always going to be people, you know, it's always going to be split. There's always going to be 50% of people saying, yes, buying right now is great. And there's going to be a 50% of people that are always going to say more of a low is coming. And it just, that just always happens. If I say, I'm going to go buy Bitcoin, Bitcoin this morning hit 20,000. There's going to be some people that are going to say that's an amazing entry. And other people are going to say, you're an idiot. You know, it's going to go all the way down to 10,000, 5,000. It's going all the way back down to zero. Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are obviously going to be a higher risk because number one, 
cryptocurrencies are going to be more newer. You know, we don't really have as big of a past, you know, history to understand. We don't have a hundred years of cryptocurrency. We have about, you know, 12 to 15 years of cryptocurrency and cryptocurrency. Actually, the way that I think about it right now is over the past year and a half, we saw crypto go absolutely bonkers and people were able to make amazing amounts of money. And right now people who are still holding their crypto is losing amount, a uh, huge amounts. Uh, but a, a recent video that I watched is it does kind of remind us of that, you know, dot com bubble, that dot com boom that happened back in 1999 to 2001, where the internet was first invented and the, the cryptocurrency or excuse me, the internet went absolutely wild. Mm -hmm. But if you bought in 2002 or 2003, all those plays started moving on up. And by the time we got up to 2004 and 2005 and 2006, it was basically back to where it was. Then 2008 happened. We saw a big drop, but then everything was back up. 2010, 11, 12, 15, 16. And if you bought, you know, let's just say normal stocks, if you bought Apple in 2000, 2001, imagine where it'd be at now. You imagine how much money you're making now. So even though like I am not sitting here and saying I know everything about cryptocurrency, when I actually think about how cryptocurrency exploded, I do think about the, the internet bubble and that the internet boom as it was something that was completely brand new. And now we're seeing cryptocurrency, which is brand new and giving back 60 to 70% when that happens, I will definitely jump in on crypto. I'm looking at what I want to do on Bitcoin. I want to jump in anywhere underneath 15,000. If I see anything in 14,000 region, I'm jumping in on it. Yeah. Um, you know, that was another thing I wanted to go into, uh, just talking about the way crypto has been kind of shifting with the overall market, right? And people, we all have this idea, you know, this belief that, okay, it's completely decentralized, you know, it's not bought up by a whole bunch of institutions and things like this. But as we see a massive like sell off in the stock market, what do you think about the sell off that we're seeing in you know, the crypto market? Do you think they're pretty much tied hand in hand? Do you think a lot of institutions are now holding uh, mm -hmm. digital assets or? I think right now is the best thing that could happen for cryptocurrencies because we are basically eliminating all of those dumb coins that aren't real. Yeah. We're eliminating kind of like you know NFTs. The strong will survive. Just like uh, out of these internet companies, these internet companies in the dot-com bubble, so many of them went out of business because they weren't even good companies. Bitcoin will survive. Ethereum will survive. Solana will survive. These top five, these top seven cryptocurrencies are going to make it and they are going to be great companies down or not great companies, I would say great coins and great investments down the line. But all these other little coins that are just popping on up that people basically just invented to try to get a quick money grab over the last, let's say, two, three, four years, they're going to go under. And it's the same exact thing with these NFTs. People saw the board eight yachts. People saw the, uh, the crypto punks. People wanted to make those next crypto punks. And guess what? All those are going to go under either. But the apes are going to stay. The punks are going to stay. Bitcoin's going to stay. Ethereum's going to stay. And any of these little trashy products, those are all going to diminish. And after this whole entire dump is over, we're going to have what is strong and what is left. That's what you're going to want to invest in because we know that's going to be able to survive down the road and that's going to be able to survive down the future. So after this huge crash, after this, what they call, you know, the crypto winter, where we're just seeing everything freeze over and everything's dropping, I would definitely look to get involved in it. What is the strong that is surviving? Because if we think about that, we can think about all the way back to, uh, back to the dot-com bubble and anything that survived back in 2001, 2002. If you jumped in then, you are making millions of dollars by this point. Dude, Ethereum is literally down to $1,000. It's at its lowest point, yeah. I think since like early uh, 2021. Oh my God. Yeah. You heard it here for, first, folks. Ethereum and Bitcoin, it's time to get back in. Plummeting. They're free falling. And you remember I sent an article this morning. In the <clears throat> They're here to stay. I sent this morning uh, talking about that discovery of gold that they had in Uganda, mm. right? Because Michael Saylor, who is a huge, huge uh, Bitcoin advocate, right, was talking about how 
you know, you look at the scarcity of some of these assets that people are, that people should be investing into versus things that people know, you know, to invest in like gold mm-hmm. and people say like, oh, well, gold, you know, the value is there. And he's just like, they just found 30 million tons of it yesterday. Mm-hmm. Right. That's never going to happen with Bitcoin. So when you think about it from a long-term aspect, 10, 20 years from now, which one is going to hold greater value if people continue to buy into it? So that just got the wheel spin in my head. I was like, yo, this is kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, he just said it here yeah. to stay top Here's five. That was, that made a lot of sense too. that mm-hmm. the way that you said that is that the, how like the internet bubble weeded out the week and how this is weeding out like all those garbage coins that I wonder if Doge is going to stay. Cause Elon's think- got like a, a little bit involved with it. Yeah. What? I feel like that. It's just, I don't, it's like, the, it's like the meme of meme coins, yeah, you right. know, there's, yeah, it's, I feel like it definitely will stay, but I don't know. That's a tricky one. But yeah. like we saw the crash of, um, of Luna. Right. And like, and then I oh. tried to have a second iteration of it. And then that one crashed. We just have yeah. ourselves like, what is the real purpose? Like, what is the the differentiating factor? Like, what do, what do these coins do? The same way you, before you invest in a company, we know what Apple does. We all, most of us have an Apple iPhone. We have headphones, right? We have the Apple Watch, Microsoft. Everybody's computers run some sort of Microsoft system, right? Many companies have it. So when we look at these other things, it's like, what are we really investing in? What does Doge really do? Yeah. What is the application, right? So I think if we can like ask those simple questions, then it gives us a better guideline you know? so so what are you what are you doing now like day-to-day deck what are you telling your like you're streaming right now i know they're on lunch break at, at the lunch bell but like what are you telling people right now like how are you winning on the market today are you shorting everything yeah i mean uh i'm just day trading penny stocks you know so really at the, no matter what people are here to trade it's like yeah. every single day the world is still waking up and people are always going to trade so right. while i'm maybe not touching blue chips I can always be touching penny stocks. And a lot of traders may say, um, or a lot of people may say, well, can we trade any sort of blue chips in any sort of way? But blue chips are falling, falling, falling. But we just short them then. you know. So as long as there's volume in the market, you can always make money. Today, I was able to make 500 bucks. I shorted Tesla after it went on a nice little spike on up. So it doesn't really matter if we see a massive spike or if we see massive dumps because there's always a way to make money in the stock market. And that's the most beautiful thing about the stock market is that there's always going to be people that are going to be trading. There's always going to be people who are always investing. There's always going to be orders going through, which is going to bring in volume. Volume equals activity. Activity equals profits. If things are going up, buy them. If things are going down, short them. And uh, you can make money on really any side. Now, I will say I do enjoy it better when we have volume of positivity. When we have, let's say climbing, when we're in a bull market, I do like that better because there's more traders because more people are more confident. You need to remember stock trading and just investing in general is so psychological. So many people think about it just like all company, all company, all companies, but who's investing into these companies? People are. And if people are scared and cautious and we have a recession and people don't want to spend money, well, we're going to see a lack of volume. We're going to see a lack of traders. We're going to see a lack of movement in the market. But let's say last year, two years, three years, while everything is spiking on up, everyone is downloading Robinhood, throwing money around. Everyone's expecting to be able to make millions of dollars in the market on Tesla, in cryptocurrencies, in whatever. So I always like having more positive because more positive is more enthusiastic traders that have more confidence. And I always, every single morning, I ask myself, how is the mob looking at this day? When I say the mob, I'm talking about the majority of buyers in the world. How are they looking at this day? And are they more optimistic about this day or are they more hesitant about this day? Today, I shorted. Why did I short? Because traders are going to be very hesitant and scared due to the Fed rates coming on up. So what do traders do when they're more hesitant and scared? They either don't trade, which is going to make a stock not move, which makes it usually fall because people take profits, or they're just nervous about what's going to be coming up on the future. So they say, let me take my money out of something. It is so much easier 
for someone to take money out of something than to take them uh, for them to put their money in on something. And that's why I enjoy shorting so much. You know, imagine if someone comes up to you on the street and says, Hey, I want to, I want you to invest in my product. You would sit there for a very long time. You listen to their spiel. You would say to yourself, "Ah, I don't know. I'm on the edge a little bit. I kind of like what you're doing. You keep going You keep going. And finally you're like, Hey, I will give you $5,000. But the moment you see something wrong, you say, give me my $5,000 back. And that's why shorting works so well, because as a person, as a trader, why do stocks go up? People buy them. Why do stocks go down? People sell them. It's so much easier for us as humans to say, give me my money back. I want to keep this rather than actually let it stay in there to grow. So when we have like rate hikes or we have this market that is currently fading and dropping, so many people are just so nervous. They keep taking all their money back. And as everyone takes their money, you can actually profit off of that. So let me ask you there, um, because you know, you're talking about this time period. And once again, we know there was a lot of money pumped into the market that created a lot of just, you know, retail investors, people who hopped on the app and said, okay, let me just start pouring money in. With the end of like, you know, quantitative easing, well, yeah, it's pretty much ended now and no more money being pumped into the market. Is it easier for you now to go ahead and short or do you like, which environment do you prefer to be in? You know, do you like when they're still pumping quantitative easing is really going through the roof? Or do you think this is better now for people who use your strategy and like to short the market? Because you know, there's people out there who just don't have the liquidity. I honestly think the best thing is our slowest point, our worst point, I think is like in the past. So as I was saying, my favorite is when we are in bull markets and everyone's happy and everyone's optimistic and everyone's making money. I do love that. But for us to be in the bull market, we usually need to drop on down. So I'm being straight up and honest with you, probably when when we first started in January and February and March and April, that kind of four month stretch kind of stunk because we were dropping, people were being hesitant. We saw a lot of fading and falling and it wasn't really dumping down to new lows where people are now starting to get excited. The reason why it's different now is because we are at a 22% drop where these could be amazing, amazing entries to start getting involved in. So I love when the market's in a bull market. And that's great because everyone's making money. But I also love right now at record lows because we have so much opportunity to go on up. What I really didn't like was probably two months ago, three months ago, where we weren't on record highs. We weren't at record lows, but we were just in a bear market where it just seemed like no one was winning regardless. Mm-hmm. So you know that, that's in the past. And that's you know great that that's behind us because I think from this point on, it's only record lows or it's amazing bargain prices as we get ready for the next bull run. So you know this would be an amazing time to actually start getting involved in the stock market. Hmm. I like that. So, well, I mean, if anybody is unfamiliar with what quantitative easing really is, um, quick little summary. It's what we started seeing a lot of it back in um, Obama's era, right? When the market was, well, when the economy was tanking. So they just had to start pouring in a lot of money, which kept things afloat. And it's kind of like... Um, how can I compare this to something? It's like giving your kids a whole bunch of sugar and then you want to start tapering away from them. And then it gets to a point where it's just like, all right, no more sugar. And then they just crash. Mm. And now you got to figure out a way to get them back to normal foods, normal living. And then it's just like, all right, this is the way you're supposed to be right. With all that hype, with all that extra hype. So get back to a normal diet and start living a normal life. And that's kind of like where we're at right now without quantitative easing. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I mean, I, I like that example. It kind of makes me think of like, you know, if someone's uh you know, trying to like, let's say get off cigarettes or something like that. What's the easier way to do it? You know, the stock market is easier to just go like cold Turkey and just stop completely. Or is it, you allow someone to like smoke like four a day, then two a day, then one a day, because that's basically what the market's doing right now. Jerome Powell, he doesn't want to go cold Turkey. He's Mm -hmm. saying, let's do small interest rate cuts, a little bit bigger interest rate cut, but it's not working because really that smoker is just 
getting cigarettes every single day. He's just still staying addicted. Mm -hmm. So it seems like as of now, for this personality of the stock market, we just need to cut it off. We need to cut it off and then kind of go through that pain and then basically build up from there. And we got to go cold turkey yeah, to be if, healthy again. I don't know if I asked. No more cigarettes. Yeah, I don't know if I asked that before, but like, do you think we've kind of been just living in a fantasy world, you know, with all the, just the positive positivity, all the gains that we've seen over the past 10, 15 years, like we, for our generation specifically, right? Like people, I'm 28, right? We haven't seen a lot of declines. We haven't seen a lot of recessions as opposed to, you know, our parents, our grandparents who have been through this multiple times. Seen, so I don't think, I don't think so. Oh, there's usually one like every like, what seven to nine years we see a recession yeah it's a, usually uh once every you know the average is it's usually every once uh, every 11 years yeah so like mm. but going back on that like i think we all know 2008 right but like you said we don't know the slight recession that we saw early 2000s early 90s right like 78 like all these different time periods where there was significant decline in the economy but we just didn't live through it right and that's why i always like to talk to like old people and be like yo like what was that like for you right like and then what was it like coming out of it on the other end yeah, I mean, you don't even need to ask them that question anymore. You're going through it now. It, exactly. Right? You're experiencing gas at 620 a gallon. But that's where I sometimes wonder. It's like if our complaints really are just like, okay, you know what? Should we just put our head down and just say like, this is a normal part of the cycle and whether or not people think it's, you know, fabricated and they do this on purpose or that's a different conversation. But is this something that we should just become used to, you know, as we get older? Well, honestly, I think uh, a big problem and I don't want to speak about any sort of political side in any sort of way, but I, but I honestly, uh, I honestly think in today's world, I think when we were growing up, I think politics were more actually about, Hey, I have this idea. You have this idea. And even though if we disagree, let's come to the best overall conclusion. And I feel like as times have grown and social media and the internet and media has come uh, uh, involved, I think a lot of it now actually comes down to you have this opinion, we have this opinion. And even if we know you're right, we still want to do our opinion because we want to win. And I feel like no matter who you like, if you guys like Democrats or Republicans, no one wants to be the person or no party wants to be the party where things start dumping. So they can they try to put it off any way they possibly can. Hey, you know, let's save it to the next possible party or the next possible president or this or that. And they try to keep, you know, delaying things. So things could get, keep getting worse and worse and worse, but we keep trying to delay it and basically put these band-aids on anywhere I can. So the other party can get blamed for it. And I feel like we see that a lot in today's world where no one wants to actually say, Hey, you know what, let's actually come to the right decision. Even if let's say we have to take a step back for our political party, everyone wants to say, we want to be the winners. We want to be right. And we're going to blame the other party rather than us actually trying to find some sort of solution towards it. So I think about, you know, a lot of times when the stock market's dropping, you know, what what's going on within the actual government that could be leading towards the market dropping? And is it one party or another and who's being more stubborn? And, you know, that's just something I feel like I view uh, on, on the outside. And, you know, obviously I don't ever, you know, like to speak about politics, but just kind of as a broad view, I feel like definitely as our government, we have to work together a little bit more and actually be able to take um, a little bit uh be able to take a loss if you're on the other side, but agree that it's probably better for the overall country. Yeah. I like that you bring that up too, because, you know, and once again, I'm not sure how you advise the people who follow Tradecaster and whatnot, but one thing I usually hear from people who are invested, people who are really heavy into the market, they always say, you know, you want to have some sort of global view on what's going on, right? You want to have, you want to be tapped into, even if it's just a base level of the news, just understand why things are going on in the market. And we talked about this before with you on a previous episode, 
where you were saying, you know, where we asked you, like, what are some things that you read? What are some different things that you look into to just get an idea of, all right, what should I expect, you know, going into today, going into next week, going into the next six months, right? And I think as we continue to do this, as we continue to get older, that's one thing I'm paying attention more and more to is like, yo, there's a lot of factors that go on around the world, wars, right? Um, political interests, things like that, that really do affect the S&P 500, right? Like the Dow. And it's just like, you wouldn't really think about it because sometimes we jump, like you said, to our immediate politicians here or things like that. And then it's just like, wait, we didn't even consider how Saudi Arabia, you know, and their oil production could be affecting like what's going on here or how Canada doing that can affect like oil futures and all these different prices, right? So can you give us a quick uh, like reminder again, like what's something that you're still tapping into on an educational side that you're looking at and saying like, okay, this is what I need to be paying attention to now to stay ahead of what's going on. Because like you said, education is the only way you're going to get through this period right now. Mm-hmm. To beat the mob. Yeah, beat the mob. Beat the mob. Uh, honestly, as when you talk about the overall market, it's not that tough to follow as you may think. Obviously, when you first start getting involved in the stock market, um, things seem a little bit overwhelming. But to me, every single morning I wake up and I, I go to CNBC.com. I wake up, I go to CNBC.com and there's always going to be a market briefing. It tells you what's going on. What are we looking for next? What are some upcoming announcements? And from there, you can really just check it at the end of the day again. Uh, and say, okay, hey, the market has dropped today. Okay. And if you stick with it every single day, actually just looking at CNBC and just staying in the overall um, and reading these articles or just turning it on your TV, you honestly will be able to follow the market. I'm not advising in any way, just read CNBC and you're going to make money. But I'm saying, you know, following the market, it's great to just put yourself in the market. So many people kind of get overwhelmed on the fact they're like, oh, I don't know where to start. Uh, oh, I'm 25, I'm 20, I'm 30, I'm 40. Oh, I don't know how the stock market works. I'm never going to start uh, or I'm never going to be able to understand it. All you have to do at some point is just start reading something and just start showing up every single day. If you start showing up and if you read CNBC or watch CNBC every single day, you're going to start gauging it. You're going to start understanding it. But yes, at first, the first week and two weeks, you may have no idea what they're talking about. I think of stock trading all the time as, you know, I know Dikembe, you, you've been getting into it, you know, trying to learn a different language. The first time you try to learn a different language, you literally are sitting there probably your first like month. And you're just like, just sitting there shaking your head. Like, yep, I have no idea what's going on, but I'm just going to keep shaking my head. Like I know like what they're saying, but that's 70 70 days in deck. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, but maybe day 90 day, 120. It's just like, oh man, I remember I learned that which again, helps me with this, you know, not to me, it's not getting you. <laughs> not, maybe um, let's say like 180, let's, let's just talk. 180. Cause yeah. I remember when I first started stock trading and obviously I was diving in and, you know, wanting to make day trading my full time job. And I was going so hard into trading and I was just like, Hey, I am making this work no matter what. And I would show up every single day. And all I was doing is reading books and I was watching videos and I was trying to do everything I can wrote everything out. And I didn't understand anything for probably like two months in. And imagine showing up and trying to do something and not understanding it for two months in. And then all of a sudden you read one thing, you see one chart and it just all clicks. And then you're like, I remember I, I learned that and that helped it go with this and this and that and this and that. And then from there you get the ball rolling. But I think so many people quit in any, let's say, adventure from stock trading to learning a language is to just get over that learning curve that everyone says. But once you get over that hardest part, hey, it will become simple. But the thing is, you just got to keep pounding your mind with it every single day. Like I like that a lot because I feel like that's that's the common thread with a lot of things we do because I feel like we're all kind of similar on that side, right? Where we just like to, we all become slightly obsessive with certain things and then we're just like, how can we learn more and more and more about this and just become the best at it, right? Or the best that we can be at it. Not, you know, worrying about whatever competition's out there. 
But I think once you can get to that point and keep showing up, like you said, that's where we get to the side of, all right, I know if, if there's 10 people in this room, right. And you go to that 80, 20%, that 80, 20 kind of rule. If I'm in this room with 10 people, I know that at least eight of them probably aren't going to stick through this as long as I will. So if I can just get over that hump that they won't get over, then I'm going to beat out a majority of the people who are trying to do the same thing I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And like you're seeing, and you probably have a whole bunch of people in your program who are doing the same thing. They show up every single day, right? Like I, I follow your YouTube streams. And I'm seeing them. Like you have so many people who are tapping in daily. Yeah. They're making right? money, bro. Making money, mm-hmm. learning. Like, and some of them are starting just from like, you know, a couple bucks a day, then moving up hundreds, thousands. And I'm like, this is like, that's it. Right. Like that is the, the thing right there. Just stick to it. Learn what you need to learn. Like you said, with me learning another language, you're st- still lost, right? About two and a half months in. But eventually, you know, these things will start clicking and you'll start being able to speak it fluently. Um, yeah. so I'm really happy. I always think about it as uh, basically giving like 100%. It's like so hard for people to grasp the fact of giving 100% because a lot of people, let's just say in jobs or if you want to learn a different language or even in stock trading, when they first want to learn how to start stock trading, you get that initial burst of fire where you say, this is amazing. This is what I want to do. And you get that a first initial jump that uh, 50% where you say, I want to do this. I want to learn. And then you get so uh, uh, devoted, but the moment that something goes against you, that's where all of a sudden you start quitting a little bit more. You don't start showing up as much. You start kind of dying off a little bit. You know, giving 50% is so easy. It's so simple to, let's say, if you want to get fit, to go to the gym. The hardest part of every single, you know, lift or every single job or every single trade is going to be the last 50%. Going to the gym is easy. Actually putting up the weights is the hardest part. Starting to stock trade is easy, but actually staying up and staying consistent with it is the hardest part. Starting to want a, a podcast and buying the microphones and making a name and all of a sudden putting up you know, your website, that's the fun part. That's a great 50%, but doing it every single day and not getting any views and now again, now losing that motivation, that's where you say to yourself, hey, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. Every single person can do 50%. Everyone needs to give 100%. It's the second 50% that no one's willing to do. And if you are willing to stick with it, that's where the results are at. The first 50%, no results are made. Second 50%, when you stick with it, is where the actual results come out of. Um, I mean, it's a great point. I can confirm, though, at Duolingo, about 150 days in, you still don't know any Spanish. (laughs) Yeah, I could order in a restaurant if I wanted to. That's not motivating to me. Most foods. I asked for a cup of coffee. Kind of. You didn't ask correctly. I mean, but you asked. We didn't have to tell the people that. You, the campaign tried to ask me for a cup of coffee. We in Spanish. We're doing Spanish together. Mm. Uh, before we sign off, Deck, and we, I know we got to let you go. Just so real quick, how, how was your um, conference in? It, was it Miami? Uh, Fort Lauderdale. How was it, dude? So, what was that about? I don't know if anyone saw online, but Deck was getting fired up with a group of, of tradecaster, uh, the army. So, what was going on? Uh, honestly, we like doing those seminars like once a year. It's, okay. uh, the, the reason why we like having those seminars is not even for the whole purpose of, Hey, let me teach you every single strategy we have, but it's more just, we have this amazing community that we have over 2000 members and we just want to have a weekend that everyone shows up and everyone's able to meet each other and hangs out and everyone's able to grow as a trader. One of the hardest things about being a stock trader is it's hard to have many friends in the stock trading community, especially that, you know, in person, um, you know, for myself, when I first started trading, it was just me on my own, you know, no one else was wanting to learn how to trade with me. No one else wanted to learn how to make money in the stock market. And people were just saying it's, you know, a small little phase when you actually start trading and you join a community and you're in chat and you're with these people every single day, 
it's nice to be able to actually meet them in person and hang out and exchange numbers and put a face to them and actually build some sort of relationship and a connection and a network. So you can, you know, text them for now on and say, Hey, are you looking at this play? Yeah, I'm looking at this play as well. Get yourself in a group chat. But I mean, that whole entire seminar was, you know, such a great time. Um, that was on uh, Thursday and Friday. We did it on a Thursday and Friday because we wanted the stock market to be open so we can actually look at stocks and look at these trades. Uh, we had, you know, guest speakers come through as well, but we'll definitely do that, you know, once every single year, just because I want to be able to put everyone together, be able to learn how to trade, of course, and teach strategies and be able to, you know, uh, trade in real time together. But at the same time, I want everyone to be able to meet each other and connect and be able to, you know, grow with friendships and everything that we talked about. We got to do a first sip seminar, bro. You talk about I mean, podcasting, you talk about this, you know, we're going to Deckmar, we're going to send you over some information. We're going to talk uh, about certain things anymore on the podcast, but we're going to send you some information. Deck has, has to get going, folks, because the launch bell, I guess people are getting back. The, the world's going to start trading, and Deck's got to guide his army. But before we, we cut it short, do you have a content rec of the week, Deck? Anything you've watched, read, listened to? Ooh, I actually, hold on. I actually did have something. Hit the Kimbe real quick. I had something real good. What do you got? Oh, mine this week is actually going to be book club. Oh, so nice. I'm going to recommend a book club to people. Um, because things have been going good over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, you guys have been meeting weekly. Yeah, we're about to finish our first book. Um, cool. Next week, we'll be done with it. And then we already got some recommendations for next week. So how can people start? join? Um, we have the link right in our bio on Instagram. So if you guys want to sign up for the book club, go right over to uh, the First Sip Instagram page and you can sign up um, on the link there. And we meet every Thursday. You know, we talk about the book, talk about you know, our thoughts on the chapters that we're reading. And then we'll sometimes assign a little bit of homework to make sure that we are taking some actionable steps forward. So you know, it's good, but I'm trying to get to trade casters standards. So oh, yeah, I like it. What's yours deck? Uh, I mean, okay. I'm going to say a little basic one. I feel like definitely has been said before starting off if this one already says, but, uh, I mean, new top gun, you see it? No, no one said the we, new top gun we yet. Talking about that oh my goodness. Oh, yes. You talk about one of a great, you know, classic. Yeah. It's, it's one of the rare movies that the second one is better than the first one. Damn. Dude. Everyone keeps talking about that movie. Yeah. I, 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 I told think you, they I mean, really knocked it out of the park. I haven't seen, seen, seen it yet. One. I got to go see the first one. And still. like, so Alex was trying to get me to go to $5 movie Tuesdays Ooh, at the movie tavern in Axton. That's the deal. I know it. It's sold out. Of course it is. Three, three films in a row on a Tuesday night. All the Top Guns were sold out. How about that? Yeah. I mean, it, it's good. It's just like the way that it, 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 nothing is CGI. So it's just like, it's all authentic, you know? So it's just, uh, it, it's really cool how they did it. I would say, I, I can't really think of any, I can only think of maybe one other movie. You, can you think of any other movies that the second one is better than the first one? Um, oh, oh. literally Fast and Furious, every sequel of the Fast and Furious. Yeah, each sequel got better, Fast and Furious uh, series. <laughs> I really like nine. The movie got I, better. I, I think about that sometimes. And I say, I say to myself, how did basically, okay, I think of kids from, my, uh, from our high school that used to like sit outside the BP. That's who I like think of like the, the Fast and Furious. And now those kids are in space. Are in space. Okay, that's, that's how I think about it. Like those kids are flying cars out of Dubai into space with rocket ships. It starts with that's it. What's wrong with that? It all Every, each movie gets better. That's, that's the first two towers. Lord of the Rings, two towers was definitely better. I could go on for days. But, but I, I, I probably say quiet, quiet place too. You ever see that one? No, no. But I heard the first one was really good too. Oh, this. dude. First one's amazing. You really like it. it. Oh no. Those kind of movies kind of trip me out. Yeah. No, sure. Quiet place too. The second one, I was, I was shocked. Very good. It's just so different. So different how you're just like sitting there and they don't even say words, but you still feel like, you know, exactly what they're saying. It's nuts. Yeah. I like that. I yeah, mean, there's no like talking. That. They're what very quiet. It was like that. Uh, Drive, shittiest movie ever. Drive was like where that. Ryan Gosling. He just doesn't talk. 
any any one movie won awards and no one says anything stupidest, <laughs> stupidest movie ever interesting interesting i had another rec but i wasn't sure if you started it yet what and the people might like this one but peaky blinders season six is out of course i've started it you started it? i'm the world's largest fan of peaky blinders um no I'm, what are you I'm, thinking so far I'm three episodes in i think the i mean i don't want to give anything I'm away around there too yeah i i mean it's dude he's in a dark place main yes. character is in a dark place um but I think the first episode was really good. I really didn't like the second and third one that much, but I think it's building to the final half of the season is going to be crazy. Yeah, I like the um, what am I? First I'm episode like four was or really... five right now. So oh, like, yeah, yeah they, they had to do a good build. Up I'm turning it into four. Now. Yeah. Um, my content rec to sign us off is since you touched on the book club is guys the spike ball tournament is in ten days, so yeah. June 25th, Saturday, June 25th at Elite Sports Factory in Maniunk. Deck will be there if you want to meet him. He is going to be competing. Um, yeah, uh, Traycast also- members right now. I know Traycasters listening in. If you guys want to play in a cor- uh, what, spike, spike ball, ball tournament, spike yep. ball tournament, Ma- Maniunk, Philadelphia, we're uh, getting 25th. it going. June twenty fifth, twelve o'clock. Uh, Thirty dollars per player or sixty dollars for a team. All proceeds go to half of the pot goes to the winner, half of the pot goes directly to charity, and all proceeds on the food and everything that we sell are going to go to charity. So um, we really encourage, if, if you want to reach out to us on Instagram, we're trying to fill the roster. We have a decent amount of teams right now. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So going to be some good competition going. I mean, I love the game of spike ball. And um, with that- It's being, an American sport. It's American, it's American sport. Homebred here. American mm-hmm. sport. Just getting after it. Deck, Watching you, on ESPN 8, the Ocho. Yep. Deck, any uh, any final segments that you want to say before you sign off? We really appreciate you coming on again, bro. No, as always, again, you know, shout out to you guys. Thank you so much for hitting me up and uh, just keep it going. I'll uh, see you on episode 169. Yep. See you on 169. We're going to keep grinding. Thanks so much for tuning in, folks. Please sign up for the tournament. Sign up for the book club. And as always, enjoy the first sip. <laughs>